Warren Buffett, BlackRock, and other institutional players dominate investments in commercial aviation. Why? Because it's one of the most profitable and predictable alternative assets that exists. And it's not tied to other markets such as real estate and the stock market. Is it safe? Well, imagine triple net leases to the likes of American Airlines and British Airways. Income is contractual and guaranteed by some of the biggest named airlines in the world. That's why this kind of investment was never available to the ordinary accredited investor. That is until now. Visit accesswealthaviation.com and check it out for yourself. Invest in an institutional team with over 200 plus years of combined investment experience in the aviation sector. Conservative investing with double digit returns and tax advantages. That's accesswealthaviation.com. Accesswealthaviation.com. You are listening to the Wealth Formula Podcast with Buck Joffrey. Get ready to change your life. Welcome, everybody. This is Buck Joffrey with the Wealth Formula Podcast coming to you from Montecito, California. And uh, before I begin, I want to remind you that uh, visit wealthformula.com if you're interested in some of the resources we have there. It's also where you want to go to if you're interested in signing up for some of our various lists, including the accredited investor list. Uh, That's where uh, if you are interested in participating in some of the uh, private offerings uh, that that come through that group, uh, that's where you want to sign up. So you go to wealthformula.com and if you're an accredited investor, then you go ahead and sign up for that. And then you get onboarded because you do need to be an accredited investor. An accredited investor is something that you either are, you are not. It's not something you have to, you know, apply for. It's just defining you as somebody who makes $200,000 per year, has done so for at least two years, 300 if you're married with a reasonable anticipation of doing so in the future, or you have a net worth of a million dollars outside of your personal residence. Now, uh, this year, I think, is going to be interesting. We've done some things in real estate. We've uh, we've done some aviation things. And, and you might have already gotten notifications on those types of things because they are of a certain type of offering called a reg regulation uh, D506C offering, which allows for general exposure. Like you don't have to be an accredited investor to hear about those things. You just can't invest in them. You have to have a letter. But a lot of things that we do will be uh, registered as regulation D506B offerings. And those uh, you will never hear about them unless you're in this group. So go ahead and, and get in investor club and sign up for that as soon as possible. With that being said, uh, let's talk about uh, a specific topic today that comes up, uh, and that is a dual citizenship, Plan B, right? Question there. When I think about this stuff, let's take a step back, right? The two most powerful motivations of behavior are fear and greed. And if you haven't thought about that before, pay attention to the kinds of messagings you hear especially in, you know, this alternative podcast ecosystem. And at the risk of offending gold bugs, how many times have you heard someone who sells precious metals, a podcast, uh, talking about the demise of the U.S. and the inevitability of the zombie apocalypse? Think that's just a coincidence? Nope, nope, nope. It's not just a coincidence because the more you think about instability, the more you think that the world is about to go up in flames, the more likely you are to buy 
a type of uh, asset that has been around for thousands of years and has survived every major catastrophe. Maybe that's a sale. Uh, maybe that's maybe I've just convinced you to buy gold if that's what you believe. But that's really kind of the idea behind a lot of that messaging, right? And similarly, a couple of weeks ago, I had a guy on. Uh, hopefully, you heard this. Uh, this guy wrote this book on Ray Dalio. And uh, if you haven't heard that, make sure you go back and, and listen to it because I thought it was just really interesting and fascinating. But um, anyway, Ray Dalio is this legendary hedge fund manager. He's written all these books uh, on uh, principles of investing and the principles in life and blah, 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 all this stuff. As it turns out, even though, you know, he is legendary and, and he's had some good years, uh, most of them he's not beaten the S&P 500, right? And it turns out uh, that he has uh, been predicting the collapse of the American economy going on about three decades now. And maybe he believes that. I don't know. But one thing's for sure, that company line, so to speak, works for Ray Dalio because he works with ultra-wealthy families. And ultra-wealthy families, I should say, I didn't uh, really realize this until I was speaking to um, Zolfi, who's a uh, you know, the, we, it, those of you who know him, he, he, he works with us on a number of these investments and he used to, he used to manage a sovereign wealth fund in the Middle East. And before that he worked for JP Morgan and, uh, in London and in New York. And he, uh, has a massive, you know, exposure to these ultra high earning families and, and institutions and all that. But again, the, the thing that I learned from him is that they don't really care about big returns. It's not really what they're at. They just don't, you know, they, they just care about not losing money and beating the market is kind of an added plus. So if Ray, if Ray Dalio is telling people that the world is going to hell and he manages money that maybe, then maybe people are thinking, well, maybe he's the guy to invest with, right? Because he's managing all this money and he thinks that the world's going to hell. So, well, He's Ray Dalio. I'm going to give him my money and, and hopefully he can save me. Now, there's also people out there uh, talking about the need for a second passport in case the U.S. implodes. You know, the, the, the proverbial plan B, the escape hatch. After all, we have a divisive political system and an enormous amount of debt in our country. But I will say this, again, maybe I'm missing something, but the U.S. is still by far and away the biggest economy in the world with by far the highest GDP, the best quality of life. We have the best universities in the world, the strongest military in the world. I don't know. If we can get through 1968, just look up 1968 and the turmoil this country was in back there, I think we're going to get through 2024 just fine. So in my humble opinion, a plan B is not going to get you out of harm's way because if the U.S. goes down, there will be no place to hide. There will be none, okay? Uh, but there are certainly are other reasons to get a second passport, right? Maybe you just want to make it easier to travel to certain countries. Maybe you want to benefit from low-cost health care. You know, you spend your, your life in the U.S. and then you, you, know, you go somewhere with socialized health care because you think that that's better. I personally don't think so, but I think some people get that sense. And, um, and, and, you know, you can piss off the Europeans by using uh, their health care after you've lived here your entire life and, uh, you know, have an EU passport. Or maybe you just want to diversify your wealth and mitigate currency risk. I think that's actually a very reasonable consideration. I mean, uh, owning, 
you know, real estate, you know, not super risky stuff. I'm just talking about, okay, maybe you own residential real estate or some, uh, some high grade uh, commercial real estate in, in another country. Maybe that is something that mitigates your currency risk because there's no question the dollar has gotten weaker over time, various times, things like that. So that's another consideration. Another might be tax considerations for most part, that's only going to be effective uh, in Puerto Rico. You would require you to meet, to live there. That's something I'm just not interested in doing. Anyway, my advice, whatever you do, just don't get scared into it. It sounds like having a passport might also just be kind of fun, right? You got to be a jet setter. Maybe, uh, again, there's some sound financial reasons to do it for your portfolio. But, you know, if you're going to do it, do it for rational reasons. And in order to explore that possibility, this week's Wealth Formula podcast, I'm going to talk to a guy who works for a company that does this for a lot of executives and high net worth people. The company's called Latitude, and his name is John Green, and we'll have him right after these messages. What do the Rothschilds, the Romneys, and the billionaire hedge fund managers know that you don't about growing and protecting wealth? As you might imagine, the wealthy have a few tricks up their sleeves. One strategy allows you to grow wealth tax-free at a compounding rate with no volatility. It protects your money from creditors and lawsuits and it lets you invest the same money in two different places at the same time. How about that for amplifying wealth? To learn more, go to wealthformulabanking.com. Again, that's wealthformulabanking.com. Welcome back to the show, everyone. Today, my guest on Wealth Formula Podcast is John Green. He is one of the co-founders of Latitude, which is an interesting business, uh, which uh, basically allows people to obtain dual citizenship and passports. They have over 5,000 clients, operate in over 20 countries worldwide. And uh, yeah, they are uh, they are a major player in this space. John, welcome to the show. Thank you very much, Buck, for having me. I uh, appreciate being here. Let's talk a little bit about you know the, the big picture here. You know, I think you guys use this idea of location uh, fluidity. That's what you, you call it. Why in particular do you, do you suggest that, you know, um, high net worth individuals or, you know, business executives, or I guess in our case, you know, high paid uh, professionals in general, why, why would they want to even uh, consider dual citizenship with another country? It's a great question, Buck. And uh, what we're seeing is the smart money, uh, the, the really alternate high net worth and the high net worth clients are coming to us looking for these solutions, holding a second citizenship. And why? It's really all about options and freedom. So not relying on a single government um, to look after you and being having the ability to reside in another country or continent for that matter and, and when it comes to the EU. And so that's really what it comes down to is having more options in life. And you know, no one's sure what their home country is gonna look like in five, 10, 20 years from now. So let's set up some options for ourselves and our family members so they have that ability and flexibility to uh, to relocate to another country. And I, I use the example of, um, you know, at the height of COVID, uh, unfortunately, many countries closed their borders uh, specifically to Americans when, you know, it, it was running rampant. Sure. And, but those with a second citizenship didn't have that restriction. So they were freely able to travel. And I've had people contact us saying, hey, that, that, 
time really cost us a lot of business because I have to go and meet people in, in my industry. And I wasn't permitted to do that because of my passport. But, um, you know, even having a, a, a second citizenship from a small, peaceful Caribbean country, it completely avoided that roadblock um, during that time. And that's really what our clients are doing. It's almost like a life insurance policy in your back pocket. You, you hope you never have to use it. But should the time come, you're certainly glad you had the foresight to obtain a second citizenship. Yeah. I mean, I guess there is sort of this uh, that idea. I mean, there, the, the second citizenship uh uh, concept and not suggesting you guys are this way. It, it, there is a certain, uh, uh, zombie apocalypse, uh, fear mongering, uh, element to some of the people who, uh, advocate for this. And so I assume that's not kind of your approach here. No, not at all. Certainly, you know, vocal people online who, who, you know, uh, I suppose those, um, or talk about those kind of ideas, but that's not where we're coming from, uh, whatsoever. We're all about providing, for our clients, more options in life, you know, again, providing you know, the option to live and work, say in Europe for their children. Yeah. Um, you know, that's really what it comes down to. Let's talk about that specifically. Let's talk about Europe. That is a, um, you know, potentially a very attractive opportunity for people for a number of reasons, whether it's travel and also because, you know, if you're, uh, if you've got a passport for the EU, I mean, you're you're pretty much free for all of Europe except uh, you know the UK, right? So, what are some of the big advantages? Uh, let's first of all, I guess, just talk about you know what what uh, what people who may be not business executives or have work specifically in the EU, EU, but you know what what kinds of reasons other than pure leisure would you would you want to potentially get a EU passport? Certainly, it's uh, it is a lifestyle play, but it's it's providing more options as you identified. Once you're a citizen of an EU country, let's say Malta, maybe Spain, Portugal, you have the right to live and work in any EU country. Yeah. So, if you want, as a Maltese citizen, if you want to live in France, Germany, Spain, you have that right. So, certainly, it provides a lot more areas where you can relate relocate to, whether that's temporary or full time, permanent. And that's one of the biggest advantages um, in terms of visa-free travel as well. The passport for an EU country uh, affords a significant amount of visa-free travel over 180 countries um, that maybe the U.S. passport doesn't quite have the same countries. And so that opens up more doors uh, for clients as well who do business in other parts of the world. Um, do you have people who look at these as opportunities uh, to potentially retire and take advantage of social services and things like that that may be uh, not available as readily for retirement in the U.S.? We do, actually. People um, are, are looking maybe for the lifestyle, the retirement, so retiring in a warm climate, even a lower cost of living. Um, but then they afford themselves of that public health care system as well, uh, potentially, and not, not maybe right away, but in a, in a few years. And I do know of people who have obtained citizenship of, a, of an EU country specifically for that. Um, there's not just the investment categories where you invest in a country in return for citizenship or, or a residence permit, but there's, of course, citizenship by descent. And so those who have the lineage, maybe a, a parent, a grandparent, can go further back, great, great grandparents, they can obtain citizenship of, say, Italy and now uh, afford themselves of that healthcare system, which is going to be far more affordable than, of course, the traditional, say, U.S. healthcare system. Yeah. So let's talk about the financial stuff. So outside of, um, 
you know, outside of, uh, you know, potentially getting health care at a more re- a reasonable cost and, and you're older and maybe you're, you know, maybe that, that for whatever reason that's of interest to you, you, you know, you can do those kinds of things. But let's talk about uh, potential advantages, I guess, for, say, the high net worth person, the person who's making, uh, you know, decent amount of money. Is there any potential tax plays here in various I mean, not not anything illegal, but anything that people are taking advantage of uh, as it relates to uh, to tax law by having multiple uh, passports. Well, it does depend where the client is from. So as you're well aware, I'm sure uh, the Americans tax is based on citizenship, not residency. Right. So even if an American moves to another country, they're still filing their taxes every year. And if there's, you know, if there's a double taxation taxation treaty, then it can offset. Um, but they're still having to do that. So for our American clientele, it's not a traditional tax play, um, maybe compared to some other countries, say a Canadian who wants to move to the Caribbean for a few years in a tax friendly jurisdiction. That's certainly possible under the, say, Antigua citizenship program. And then they can, you know, uh, alleviate, alleviate themselves of the tax burden that they normally would face in Canada. But for our American clientele, it's not as much of a tax play just because of the, the way that the, the tax system is in place. Does it open up more opportunity for ownership or investing in a, in a particular country? It certainly does. Uh, of course, you know, owning a second home in another country does come with tra- uh, restrictions in, in terms of how much time you can spend in that country. So if you were to buy a, a villa in Italy or in the, you know, in the south of France, you are restricted. Typically, it's three months out of a six month period. You can stay there. So as a lot of clients are aiming towards retirement years and and it's a lifestyle play, they want to spend more time in Europe. And that's only possible if they obtain a citizenship or perhaps a residence permit, uh, which these programs uh, that we offer can help. Who's your typical? I mean, I know you've talked about this a little bit, but, you know, in terms of business executives, in terms of high net worth, are these generally older people who are doing this, who are closer to retirement or who who are your typical clients in terms of demographics? It is a real mix. I'd say we do have a majority of our clients are, are older, probably, you know, over 55, 60 in terms of where they're at in their life. Their, their children are perhaps in high school or just starting college. Um, and these kind of programs have come on their radar and they're looking for it, but we still have a younger crowd as well. You know, those in their twenties and thirties, perhaps they've done well in, in cryptocurrency, they have some funds and now they want to, to live abroad. And so we do get a mix there, but certainly the vast majority of our clients are going to be slightly, slightly older with kids uh, who are either still residing in the house or, or recently, uh, recently left. What are some of the, I guess, some of the challenges or considerations that individuals should be aware of go down this route? And then they're looking for dual citizenship. What are some of the, what's some of the pitfalls there? Well, there's two main types of programs that we offer. Uh, I should say three. The first is citizenship by investment. That's where you're contributing to a country or perhaps uh, buying real estate and subject to due diligence checks are issued a, a passport and citizenship. So that is typically the quickest way to obtain citizenship. There's also residence by investment, which in Europe are known as the golden visas. So those are offered by Portugal, Spain, and Greece, um, where you invest uh, typically in real estate, sometimes a venture capital fund, and you acquire a residence permit. 
So that's not the same as citizenship. Um, and some people don't quite understand the path that a residence permit, how you get to citizenship. So they, that's where we come in and we can explain what the path is to citizenship through those residency requirements. Um, because it's not always straightforward. Sometimes there's, uh, you know, the requirement to reside in the country, either part-time or f- full-time. There can be language requirements as well uh, with these golden visa programs. And the length of time can be anywhere kind of some, from six to 10 years for the residence programs when you're looking at uh, a path to citizenship. So there's a lot of differences between the programs and nuances that we can help clients navigate when we sit down with them. We listen to what their ultimate goal is. Some clients want that citizenship, others just want a residence permit, and we can help steer them towards the right program to fit their you know, goals and objectives. Yeah. Um, and as I said, as I mentioned, the third type of program we offer citizenship by descent. So those lucky enough to have that lineage, uh, whether it's Italy, Poland, um, Ireland, for example, we can help them attain a second citizenship just based on who their, their uh, relatives were. And that does tend to be a more cost effective solution for clients. But not everybody, of course, is lucky enough to have the lineage um, to to be able to go that route. How does it work in terms of uh, w- w- with regard to lineage? If you have a family and uh, um, say only one, uh, you know, one spouse is of a certain lineage, does the other does the other spouse automatically qualify? Do the kids qualify? How, or how does that work? It's a great question. Well, the kids I'll, would I'll use my, Yeah, and I'll use my personal example. So mm-hmm. my wife was born in Poland. Uh, she immigrated to Canada when she was young, seven years old. So she holds dual citizenship. So we're just in the process now of applying for our kids to have their Polish citizenship. Uh, for me, if I want Polish citizenship, it's a little bit harder. I would have to go, we'd have to move to Poland, live there for, I think, three years, you know, advanced knowledge of the language. For me, it's not going to happen. Uh, Pol- Poland uh, or Polish is a tough language, I find. Yeah, But it is fairly easy for us to move to a European country, whether it's Poland, Italy, France, and I can apply for a spousal visa. And that's typically for a five-year period. It lets me live in that country full-time. And then I can work on a a path to citizenship, which is traditionally known as a naturalization. So I spend enough time in that country. Sometimes there'll be a language requirement, and then I can graduate to citizenship. So the fact that you're married to an EU citizen opens up doors for you as well. Not quite as powerful as having citizenship yourself, but it's it's fairly close. When you have a when you have a couple, married couple, I noticed there are, uh, you know, the one the first path you mentioned is buying into a particular uh, country's citizenship. And let's take the example. I think I looked in there in Spain. Uh, I was kind of surprised. It was like a half million dollars and. I think Malta was six hundred thousand, um, and if that's accurate. But the um, is that just for one of the uh, uh, in a couple? Is that just would that just be for one of them or for for both? Yeah. So the, the there are two different programs there. Spain is a golden visa residence by investment. So you invest in real estate from five hundred thousand, and you will qualify for residence permit. And that is for both a couple or so, even like a family. So that's or. just like a green card then, or kind of. It's similar. So a green card is what's known as permanent residency. Mm-hmm. Um, most countries call it PR, permanent residency. In the UK, they call it indefinite leave to remain. US is a green card. So it's one step below citizenship. Um, in Spain, you start off as a temporary visa and after five years, you can graduate to PR. And then after another five years, you could graduate to citizenship should the requirements be met. 
but the 500,000 investment requirement in real estate that can cover the whole family. Mm-hmm. So it's not like you're having to buy, you know, one for the husband, one for the, the wife or anything like that. When it comes to Malta, it is the EU's only citizenship by investment program. And, you know, the path to citizenship is typically 18 months. So it's quite quick relative to the golden visa programs or residency programs. Um, but it is more costly. So you're typically starting from about 950,000 euro for a single applicant family of two is about 1,022,000, you know, and goes up as you add dependents from there. Um, so that's a, a more expensive program. It's not for everybody, uh, but it's certainly the world's number one citizenship by investment program. Yeah. And so let's, let's talk about what citizenship by investment actually even means, because when you think about, well, half million bucks or, you know, 1.2 million or whatever, whatever it is that you're looking at here, this isn't just payments to the country. This is actually acquisition of, you know, investment property or, you know, of, of buying things or tell, tell us what it entails exactly that 500 or thousand, or maybe it depends on, you know, which country you're talking about. Yeah, very much depends. So let's just look at the Caribbean. There's five citizenship programs there. They're offered by Antigua, Dominica, Grenada, St. Lucia, and St. Kitts and Nevis. So all five countries either have a contribution option where it's a one-time payment, non-recoverable to the government, um, and you can be granted citizenship, subject, of course, to their due diligence checks, um, or you can purchase real estate and qualify for citizenship. So a lot of people think about it, you know, if we're going to buy a place in the Caribbean, why not buy in a country which also permits you to qualify for citizenship at the same time? And so, again, diversifying your your real estate portfolio and you get a, a lifestyle play at the same time by owning a, you know, a villa, say, um, you know, on a waterfront uh, beach in, in Antigua. So that's the Caribbean. In Malta, though it's called the Citizenship by Investment Program, it is in that that nine hundred and fifty thousand, which I spoke about for a single applicant. It's a combination of a contribution to the government, as well as uh, leasing property, due diligence fees, processing fees, et cetera, which take you to nine fifty. That ends up being a non recoverable cost for the applicant. Got it. Got it. So, so, so that is a and and then in addition to that, do you uh, need to buy real estate in addition to that, or is that? Uh, is that your that cost? Includes, yeah, that includes the cost of leasing a property for mm-hmm. six years. So Malta is a, a bit of a more comprehensive or complex program compared to the Caribbean. And so they require you to lease a property uh, for the first uh, residence period, which is a 12-month period, and then additional five years after citizenship is granted. So the EU is, uh, you know, for me, uh, I think personally, I find it interesting, but, you know, I'm not, not running out there to do it today, but what you know when when you talk about the caribbean and some of these countries what are the i mean i guess what are the real motivations of uh, of of getting citizenship there again i do understand sort of the way you know the uh what if something happens and you know the us who's the most powerful country in the world the biggest economy in the world suddenly goes to hell i mean i now I hear that and I'm like, okay, well then we're in big trouble everywhere and the Caribbean isn't going to help you. All right. So tell me, tell me what the, what's the value proposition of the Caribbean or you can use specific examples or specific countries if you'd like. 
Certainly. So in the Caribbean, I'd say the motivations for clients, there's a, a small segment that are concerned about the future of the U.S., right? right. Federal debt, uh, the you know, the diversive nature of the political um, yeah, yeah. climate right now and all of that. And they, they want that out. But other clients are looking at it again. Um, the Caribbean is quite affordable compared to Europe mm-hmm. in terms of citizenship. And it's very fairly quick, six to 12 months to get that mm-hmm. second citizenship. Um, so they get a, a second citizenship quickly and now they can travel freely on that passport and not just rely on their American passport to travel. That's number one. Um, number two, again, it's a lifestyle play owning real estate. If you're going to buy a place in say Miami, why not buy a place in Antigua? And it comes with the added benefit of, of a second citizenship. You get that lifestyle play, a, a nice place to go and reside for a few months out of the year, or eventually retire there, live there year round. Um, other clients, you know, they're very wealthy. Perhaps their nanny comes from a country with a weak passport. And every time they want to travel together and bring their nanny, he has to apply for a visa. Right. And so they uh, are a benefactor and pay for her citizenship. And now she can travel, maybe go from something like 60 countries to 150 countries visa free. And it opens up doors. So we do have that as well, where a, um, you know, an employer is paying for their employee to get uh, a second citizenship. Some of the favorite, Uh, what are some of the favorites of countries? And, and maybe you can tell us uh, what are some of the unique, the costs and unique advantages of those. Certainly. So when you look at the, we'll start maybe with the EU, I'd say the most popular programs there with the golden visas have become Portugal and Spain. They're uh, both the Portugal. half million. Yeah, Portugal. Yeah, now is 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 a half million, in, 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 which is an investment into a venture capital fund. Uh, they have a number of different options to choose from, but that has been very popular with our American clientele over the years because they offer a flexible path to citizenship. Um, so you're required to reside there for seven days per year uh, for a five year period, and then you're eligible for citizenship. You do need to show genuine ties to the country. So I do recommend clients start to spend more than just a week uh, per year in the country as you get close to the five-year mark. And you must have a basic understanding of the language. But it's the Europe's most flexible path to citizenship. Sure. And so it's become very popular. Uh, unfortunately, it's become a victim of its own success. So applications are, are quite backlogged right sure. now uh, with the government, two to three years to process they are, they're working on ways to improve that. They've made all the right uh, signals that they're, they're working on that, but it remains to be seen whether that, that is sped up. So that's, we've seen that kind of demand now go to Spain. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and Spain is an investment in real estate still. Portugal used to have real estate, not anymore. They got rid of it. And so in Spain, it's an investment in real estate from 500,000. It can be in more than one property, as long as the total uh, investment is 500,000 unencumbered. And again, you can lease those properties out. You can earn rental income uh, on them, whether it's Airbnb or, you know, long-term tenancy tenants, you have that option. So and then but the is it, there's not there. an additional fee on top of the 500 that's not refundable or... Um, there are some costs. I would say Portugal has, uh, quite a high application costs compared mm-hmm. to Spain. Okay. Spain is quite reasonable. Um, they, in Spain, you do have typically a transfer tax on the real estate. So it varies by city, but mm-hmm. let's say on a 500,000 uh, property, it'll be 50,000 okay. typically. Um, but what's great about Spain is they're very efficient. 
that they hold the whole process can take three to six months. Mm-hmm. So for clients that want something sooner uh, compared to Portugal, Spain is a great option for them. So if you're an American um, and maybe I, I just haven't been to Europe long enough to have this problem, but I mean, why do you even need, why would you even like uh, if you're an American, can, how long can you stay in the EU without a visa? Three months out of a six month period. Okay. You know, I've never tried that. So I haven't, I haven't really had any issues. So, so if you're really looking to be there more, that's, that's really kind of where, where this might uh, play. Um, I'll ask you about, and I don't know if this is something you guys uh, work on at all, but you know, there's all always people talking about Puerto Rico, uh, mm. particularly in the, you know, crypto sphere, you know, where, where people are making a bunch of money. And I, do you, do you guys do anything with Puerto Rico and maybe uh, talk about a little bit about why Puerto Rico is attractive for people? Yeah, we don't offer it directly, mm-hmm. but from what I've heard from talking with clients who are looking at it, it's, it's really a tax play yeah. with the, the 4% tax rate there. My understanding, and this is talking with clients who have looked at it themselves is the challenge is finding somewhere to live. Yeah. Is finding that house. So there are a few really nice neighborhoods, kind of gated communities, but the real estate turns over very quickly if it does at all. Yeah. And so you, you know, they're, they're typically a place to go on sale, it's gone the next day and way over asking. And so they've found it a challenge to find somewhere suitable enough for their kind of standards, I would say, sure. uh, where they can live their, you know, full time basis. That's yeah. the challenge. Obviously, from a, a tax advantage, it, it has many there in Puerto Rico with a lower tax rate. Um, but from a lifestyle perspective and finding that place, that's where I've heard is a challenge for, for our clients. Got it. So where do you guys come into all this? Obviously, each country has their own guidelines, their own, uh, you know, their own investment levels. Um, why would uh, why would somebody not go directly to the embassy or the consuls and, and start the process uh, and instead go through latitude? That's a great question. It does depend on the country. So some countries require you to work with a licensed agent. So that's like Malta citizenship program. Uh, you must be you must be licensed, um, which we are. Same in the Caribbean, we're international marketing agents, so we've been vetted and, and signed off by the government to be able to offer their programs to our clients. So we're well positioned to assist clients. Other programs, you can try it yourself, but there are pitfalls. And I'll give you an example. We had a a, a client call us up and say, you know, I, I'm in, I've been rejected for my Spain Golden Visa. Mm-hmm. And I, 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 I was surprised. I say, why? Because the way we closed on our property, it made us look like my wife and I only invested 250 each and we were separate rather than the 500,000 requirement. Right. So the only way to fix that was for mm-hmm. one to sell to the other. And that ended up, you know, with all the transfer tax and fees, it probably cost them an extra 50,000 euros mistake. Got so it. that's where we come in, you know, beforehand and explain how to best, you know, close on that property and make sure that it's done in the proper way so that you will qualify for that golden visa. And there's, a, you know, countless examples of like that um, where you want to pick the right uh, service provider who has the experience, the mm-hmm. track record to assist the clients and knows the ins and outs of the application process. Yeah. Um, because unfortunately there's, you know, smaller providers that, that do maybe, uh, you know, three, four five applications a year and they're not used to any kind of, um, 
you know, things that pop up that they're not able to handle. Right. And so that's really where we come in and, and help guide the client um, in an expert manner. And um, how do you guys charge? Do you charge like uh, based on a, a commission amount or is there fixed costs? I mean, kind of give a sense of, of what the cost is for that. Certainly. So uh, we always meet with clients. We don't charge for that. We, we'll give them, you know, an overview um, of, of the landscape of available programs and they'll state their objectives, their goals, and we can kind of help steer them in, in, in the right direction. Uh, should they choose to work with us, we of course run a background check on them before accepting them as a client. So one, make sure they have a high probability to be accepted for the program and, and two, they're not a reputational risk to our firm. Uh, for our American clients, 95% pass with flying colors, but we do reject, say, 2 to 3% mm-hmm. prospective clients. Sure. And then our fee structure varies, you know, depending on the program, uh, Caribbean uh, versus, say, uh, Europe, golden visas versus citizenship. Um, but generally, we start at about 20000 uh, U.S. For, for our fees and goes up depending on the program. Got it. Got it. Um, how do people learn more? Great. Yeah. You can visit us at latitudeworld.com. So you'll have uh, all of our contact information there. I'm on there under the team, uh, team page. You'll see my contact details as well. And we have overviews of all the programs that we offer. And of course, if clients want to, to get a hold of us, they can uh, to reach out on our website and contact us directly. We'd be happy to meet with you. Thanks, John. Thanks, Buck. Really appreciate you having me on your show and uh, have a great day. You too. We'll be right back. Self-storage is a necessary evil. It's where you keep your stuff and forget about it. No wonder the stuff is so profitable and recession resistant. The Wealth Formula community, well, we've benefited from that. We've made lots of money in this space with Reliant Real Estate, one of the largest self-storage companies in the country. With an average investor internal rate of return of almost 34%, with hold times just over three and a half years, These guys know what the meaning of velocity of money is. If you're an accredited investor, make sure to check out what they're up to right now at ReliantFund4.com. Again, that's ReliantFund4.com. Welcome back to the show. Hope you enjoyed it. Uh, Again, again, it sounds like fun, right? So um, if you're interested in uh, in, in doing this, then check it out. You know, we didn't really, he didn't really talk so much about the Puerto Rico uh, option, and I won't go into that too much. But if you don't have um, a lot of ties to the U.S. that you have to have, or maybe your kids are grown up, whatever, maybe you got some, you know, big capital gains and stuff like that, and and you don't mind living in Puerto Rico for, you know, two years. Um, I think it's two years. But anyway, look it up because that is actually something else that is a, a real consideration. In fact, uh, Puerto Rico has been uh, nicknamed Crypto Rico because of the the number of uh, crypto millionaires that have moved there. And that's presumably why this guy's talking about the difficulty for housing. So uh, that's it for me this week on Wealth Formula Podcast. Hopefully you enjoyed it. This is Buck Joffrey signing off. Thank you for listening to the Wealth Formula Podcast. Visit us on the web at wealthformula.com. The information contained in this podcast are opinions, not fact. As always, consult your own financial team before making any investment. See you next time. Buck Joffrey here from Sapio with Buck Joffrey. Aging might become reversible over the next 10 to 20 years. It's already being done in lab animals, so it's just a matter of time. Our challenge? To be healthy enough for when that time comes. As a former scientist and surgeon myself, my goal is to figure out how to do that and to share it with you. 
I wrote a book called Living Longer for Busy People that you can download for free at sapiopodcast.com. You'll be amazed at just how a few daily adjustments can add years of a healthy life for you. Again, download it for free, sapiopodcast.com.